0: You should know about me. I've always
1: prepared sometimes.
0: Welcome to the Poly Podcast, where the conversations are real and raw. We say what we feel and we feel what we say. And today we're back with my co host, Eddie Baia, for part two of The Journey. Part two, man. Part two, where we left off. Uh, last game for the mighty MMT in 2010 against the Samoan team. Yep, Tell us your, uh, your memories of that and 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 just uh, how you felt
1: around it. Man, the last game was pretty cool, you know. I think we talked about it last time where um, we, we were a young team. They were a stronger, older team. They had guys like George Carmont. I think Nigel, the Polo boys were playing. Polo Tour boys, Sorry. Um yeah, but all I could remember was that one scrum where Fuss just said the best line I've heard. And if you listen to the last one, then you know where I'm going. <laughs> where uh, Fuss showed... There was a knock-on and Fuss showed up at the scrum. And... Uh, Josh Maguire. Josh Maguire. Josh Maguire show. made his debut for Samoa. Yep. And because you'd never pick it, you know? You'd never mm. pick it. Fuss runs over, as Fuss does looked at him and said, who the hell is this guy, but in a more colourful way, so that was one of the crack-ups of the day that I remember.
0: Um, Shout out, Josh, man, good dude, I got to play with him one game, and um, it always goes hard, bro, it always goes hard, and it was weird, eh, seeing a Balangi guy playing, (laughs) you know, I consider myself Balangi playing for an Islander team, but to see a white, white guy...
1: He made you look like Etsu. <laughs> <That's how,
0: laughs> <that's the laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. So. Looking back at that game, is there anything, you know, like uh, I wouldn't say regret, but like, is there anything that you, f- any way you feel about it being the last game that you represented?
1: Yeah, at the time we were still only young, you know, so you wouldn't think that that'd be the last time that you would get to represent your country. Mm. And just sort of the, the way things sort of unfolded after that, it made me sort of realise now as I got a bit older that we sort of took those opportunities for granted, you know? And, and, and especially myself because I could remember at the time we were young and I was like, man, I'm going to play about 50 games for MMT, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. especially in our position, there's not many. many There's not many much competition. You yeah. know? And because it, it's a tough position... You know that if if you play a few good games, then you got the spot. Yep. Unlike the forwards, where there's a thousand thousand blokes that can play for Mm. for Tonga, you know, or outside backs. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think that's the only regret that I had. Yeah. Just not really taking it for what it really was, which was which was uh, a special moment. I think that's a
0: good lesson, you know, for guys aspiring to play. To play one test for your country is a massive honour, and like you said, it probably came a bit easy for us. Yeah. Um. With with the lack of competition in those uh, positions, like myself, I was probably a back rower playing six. You know. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it's a good lesson for those out there that you know if you do get one one shot at it, to uh, don't take it for granted. Yeah. And to appreciate it and to make the most of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you ask that question... ...because I was thinking about it the other day. In that year, I played first grade... ...played uh, for my country. You know, and it takes some guys a lifetime of their career to do that, you know.
0: Mm. And
1: because it so- came so quick and so easy... ...I thought I was going to be in the game forever, you know. Mm. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way sometimes.
0: Well, that's what sort of brings us to our... ...probably the next chapter, yeah. should we say, in your, in your career... And and where did it take you? Like where did footy take you? It was probably what back end of 2010. Where where did your
1: journey go from there? Man, at this stage of my career, especially, uh, I was a bit young. I was a bit naive as well. I sort of uh, wanted a bit of space. I'd, like nowadays, they've got all the mental wellness things and all that now in place, which I think is really really good, man. But back then, we didn't sort of have that. Yep. And if uh, I lacked a bit of direction as well for the career, you know, especially when um, stuff behind the scenes I didn't know happened, I wasn't educated enough to sort of know that. And uh, like management sort of comes into play. It's the funny, th- you got just to butt in there. You talk about uh, well-being and
0: like not being uh, existent. It, it didn't exist in the game then. So... Were you able to lean on your family at all through those times? You know, being, like, like you said, we're not really taught to talk about it in the football world... ...but also in our culture. Yeah. We're taught to suppress how we feel. Yeah. But some families are, um, to the ex- exception. What, what was, your, was your family like that or...?
1: Yeah, man. My, f- my family was really, really good. The only thing was is we didn't have anyone at that time that sort of went through that. Yep. So all we were doing was relying on people telling us what we, what's coming up, what what you need to do, you know. But we didn't know that they didn't have our best interest in at heart, you know. And that's the sort of politics that sort of plagues our game sometimes, especially yeah. for a young kid and a young family that doesn't really know that side of footy, you know. Yep. And we've we've this. Sort of led me to my next conversations where I fell, fell out of love for the game, and then my old man, he was just like, Why don't you go play rugby? You know? Because he played rugby. Have you played rugby before that? Yeah, I played a little bit in school, yeah. but not really to the extent of like, I'm going to be a rugby player. You know, I was just a leaguey playing rugby. Yeah. You know? Is that how you identified yourself? I, I identified myself as that, as a leaguey, just. ...dipping his toes into rugby in school, you know? Yeah. And it's sort of... it's it, You could sort of see it when I played... ...because in rugby... ...you can't go one out... ...because yeah. the, the rucks and that, you know? Yeah. You can't be standing next to the ruck... ...or else someone's going to get you. You don't want to you know? get caught, right? Yeah. Kicking for no reason. You know? <laughs> Stuff like that. That's. I was just a leaguey playing rugby, man. <laughs> so so you went and played rugby...
0: Yeah. Um, do you remember your first sort of opportunity, um, was it Tonga A that you first got a crack and where, ha, how did the game, how did you get
1: involved with rugby? I mean, so I, I, I said, I'll, I'm going to move on and play rugby. So I went just down to a local local club, just down at East, down at Rose Bay. Oh, yeah. So one of the top ones, you know, I didn't want to hang around. The little, <laughs> the little straight ones, to the top. Straight man.
0: to the top. Con- well, let's be serious, man, you're an NRL <laughs> <laughs> player, eh? Yeah. And And you're still relatively young, you're a half, you would have been, uh, for
1: rugby union, you would have been hot property, right? Yeah, so when I first came, because I went to school at Waverley, so a lot of them played for East or Randwick. So they knew what you were capable of. So they sort of knew, and at at the time, the coach at the time, he was a south man, so... He sort of knew. what... Is it fair to say you move
0: in uh, certain circles in your life? I'm yeah, you? yeah. starting to pick up the trend
1: here. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, see, I don't know how it works, but <laughs> apparently I do. <laughs> you know, apparently well, uh, I do.
0: Well, last time I asked you to come out west for a meal, you had to get the visa stamped so you
1: could Yeah, leave at least. I, I don't go past Botany Road. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, <so laughs> Anything past Botany Road, Phil, that's no-go zone for me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so you're at the East? Yeah, and I, I think I played maybe two or three games. Yep. And uh, I got a phone call from the Tonga A coach at the time, which was uh, a legendary Ikale Tahi player, Sateki Tui who's coaching now at Sydney Uni. Yep. He rang me up and goes, oh... Because he was good friends with my parents. And he was then... He was like, oh, your parents told me you were playing. Do you want to come and maybe test it out here? And I still didn't know how to play the game, really, you know. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll give it a go. And back in those times, Tonga A toured for like six weeks. Oh, wow. We toured Fiji. We played like Samoa A, Fiji A, Australia A, you know. We played all of those teams. So it was a good little trip. Some of the... Like rugby stuff, I had no idea what so was going on. So that no was going
0: to be my next question.
1: What was the? What did you? What was your?
0: I guess big, biggest challenge for that transition on the like footy wise.
1: Well, the basics like passing, running, fundamentals, all the, yeah. fundamentals, fundamentals. That were that was that was pretty much the same. Yep. But all that technical stuff, man, I just didn't know. Like, like how they. As in like positional play or yeah, the positional breakdown. play. No, I wasn't, see, I wasn't, because I was a back, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, too worried yeah. about that side of the game, you know?
0: We stay away from the yeah, breakdown, yeah. huh?
1: A bit like my league career, <laughs> stay away from the D. <laughs> the rucks are optional, you know, yeah, stay yeah. away from the ruck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, so that was all, I didn't really worry about that, but there's a lot of like how they play the game, Yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the different styles people play. Yep. And that was pretty hard. It was hard for me to sort of get that, that they were going this way for to do this next or go that way, come back this way. Yeah. So it's it's all about moving people around. Yeah. The best way, uh, Kurt Morath, one of the best yeah, yeah. fly halves for Tonga, he sort of summed it up to me pretty well yep. when I started to sort of ask him questions because he played at East as well while I was there. Oh, Okay. So I was sort of lucky that he was teaching me as I was playing because oh. I, I I played in the top team but I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So really? his his biggest thing to me was like all you're trying to all all you are is like a shepherd and you're just moving the sheep around. You know. Yep. So whichever the way you move the sheep should set you up for mm. like something. It's funny because in league, obviously, you've
0: got the stationary play the ball. Yeah. So, it's easier to set up for plays, yeah? And I always thought that because, you know, rugby, like the ruck can get moved from left to right, forward, back. So, to me, it would be hard to set up like a, you know,
1: some sort of structure. Yeah. Because, you know, in league, most of your sets are all premeditated. Yeah. You know? Where in rugby... Might be like your first two plays premeditated, then everything's off the cuff after that. Yeah, you know, and I have to
0: say, fair, fair mentor as well. Yeah, Marath,
1: man. yeah man, kind of legend, man. He was uh, still running around. No, I think he just retired recently. He's up there, I think, in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was, he was, him and his brother were there, and they were good, good dudes, man. Yeah,
0: nice. So you you dabbled in Tonga, A. Eh? Um, another Tongan camp. Yeah was there any differences in the league versus the union camps? And I know Tonga A, like you can say, like it's not the top team, but yeah. Tongan camp, Tongan camp, if you're playing for Z grade, it's always Tonga and you know you're going to get the the usual, usual, you know, larrikins, you're going to get yeah. the the churchies, you'll get yeah. the drinkers, you yeah. get everything. But in terms of the culture and that, was it
1: any different league to union? Man, I, I think if it wasn't – because when I was playing – in because uh, as my story, when I started off in Tonga, came to Australia, and as I was playing growing up, I sort of lost the language, sort of lost the culture as well. Yep. Entering the camp, all those guys are from Tonga. Well, most of them, maybe Ooh. let's say eighty-five percent of them are all Tongans. Yep. So you have to sp- you have to speak Tongan to them, you know. And through those guys, man, my language started getting better. Yeah. Our uh, Devotion, because we always did devotion every morning and every night, you know, and that. So just learning all that stuff about the Bible and the culture, how we live, how they live their lives, sort of thing over there, it made me sort of appreciate what I had before I came there, you know. Mm. It was eye-opening that these guys had nothing, you know, and they were happy just doing whatever they did and representing and representing, you know, and they. These guys, man, they they wouldn't leave the hotel, yeah. You know, because the coach or the the head coach at the time was, Eastorl Maka, and if anyone knows that guy, he's a scary dude. he yeah. was a big number eight for for the All Blacks. <laughs> oh yeah, played a couple of games, and we had this. I'll tell you this story. Yeah, so we went over to New Zealand and we played the county's Manukau side, and I think we were maybe down thirty-five nil or something at halftime. And if you, if you know Tongan Camp, no one says anything at halftime. Yep. No one says anything. They just wait for the coach to speak. And whatever the coach says, we just nod and then, you know.
0: Yeah, back out
1: there. Yeah. So we walk into the shed and it's half time. And this guy's a big dude, man. he comes in. We had this, like, uh, Kiwi girl. She was a small physio lady. She like, They, like, had all the drinks and all that there. He comes in and just smashes the table. Like, the table broke in half. That's, wow. how, that's how angry he was. Oh, wow. yeah. And he was started cursing. Like, This isn't how you run a half-time mm. speech, you yeah. know? I wasn't used to this sort of thing. yeah. Wow. Because it was... The games we played before that, we went all right, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he, st- he broke the table, threw all the drinks and that away. And then after that, I was just looking at this other Aussie guy that was with me. Yeah. We looked at each other and went what the hell's going on with <laughs> Because <laughs> we're not used to that <laughs> yeah, yeah. sort of thing, you know? And then we went out. We, en- we ended up getting pumped a bit because they had a good team, man. They had, like, Richard Kahui who he was playing. Oh, yeah. Tawita Koubalo, I think, was playing as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, after the game, we were sitting in the shed waiting for him. we were like, you gonna do now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the, the physio lady she was scared as well you know cuz she's never had that before yeah yeah and then he comes walking in and he goes good effort today boy wow <laughs> and we're like what the hell wow. there was a big different yeah, like, difference yeah. between half time and full time so maybe but re- that that wasn't the only story man like even other times after that they got even worse like throwing stuff everywhere Wow. I didn't expect that, you know, but that's just the way they. So a lot of, a lot of, of fear like there, that. right? Yeah, so that's how he sort of coach us through fear.
0: Yeah, probably, uh, and you know what? Like, I think that's a lot of how. It's the old, 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 sc- old it's school. It's old school. It's, it's old, old school. school. Yeah, and it's uh, to me, it's like you can't really hate because that's all they know. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wow, man, what a, <laughs> I would have been freaked <laughs> out. He's <bro. It's laughs> <Yeah>, a big. <laughs> Big silhouette of a man
1: oh, blowing up, man. Uh, And I imagine those change rooms are big small. Yeah, as well. they were only tiny, man. But I could remember because the backs coach was Sardeki. Yeah, and he, he he couldn't believe what was going on either. You know,
0: really. So, wow. Oh, let's move on. Uh, we go. Um, you move
1: into the sevens. How did that all come about? Man, I was after that six week like, tour sort of thing. I I came back home. Had about a week off, uh, like a week off just to get myself settled because, I mean, the training and that, especially for the Tonga A thing, them guys, they, they're still doing like 400s, <laughs> 600s, 800s and that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Three hours outside, oh, yeah, you hour. know, training sessions. Old school, yeah. old school stuff, yep. you know. And, you know, I was sort of lucky that the sevens thing came up because the coach at the time, he stole Yeah. I I think he sort of told the guy, this guy, because one guy dropped out, you know, and because we were so fit at the time, he he must have told the uh, the coach for the sevens, take this guy, you know. Yeah. And as a kid growing up, you always used to just to watch the sevens, so oh. on the screen, you Hong know, Kong, with his Hong, Hong Kong, Kong sevens, sevens, you know, 100%. just watch it. Yeah. So when it came, up, I was like, yeah, this would be mad. Yeah. And little, and it was the last ever like Adelaide sevens tournament. Oh wow. And we, and I think oh, I turned up on the last day. I mean, I turned up a day before we were about to play. So I didn't know anyone on the team or no, but I've, I've played a little bit of sevens before so and watched it. So I had a better idea of how to play sevens than I did how to play the 15-man the fi- 15 15. game, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And, and what about the other players in this? Were they from Tonga as well? Yeah,
1: they, they were fresh, straight out of Tonga, oh, yeah, these guys, you know? beautiful. Yep. They had those... You know those thongs they always used to wear? The yeah, the black and white ones. Yeah, the <laughs> black and white yeah. ones. <laughs> where they come and swap them for your ones. Yeah, they're the
0: Richie Fuss ones, yeah. right? or the Fui fooie Fuis. Yeah, the Fui Fuis. Fooie yeah. yeah.
1: They had those ones, man. And it was... Them guys were good. Like, uh, I think one of them spoke English. Yeah, wow. One of them spoke English. So... But it was funny, man. Because a lot of these guys, where they come from in Tonga, there's not much food. Yeah. And then when you go to these... Uh, HSBC Sevens thing—it's a buffet, everything, Ooh. you know. And when I showed up, it was dinner time, and these guys were, were like little, little bit of the food, you know, because the coach was there yeah. at the time and the manager. And I was thinking, oh, these guys must be all right because they—they were, were lean, they were fit, yeah. They were only li- eating a little bit, <laughs> and then as soon as the coach left, oh man, the plates <laughs> just went to another level. Them oh, blokes, oh, yeah. You know? And we sort of found out in our first game when we played, I think we might have played uh, Spain. Spain back then was the first game. Mm. And for us, like, it was tough. It was tough because they don't really play regular sevens there on on the tour. Yep. And I remember the first game we had, we had two yellow cards. Oh, no. (laughs) And then we ended up playing Fiji. Oh, really? The next day and we got a red card. And they were about to kick us off the like the tournament. Right? <laughs> oh yeah.
0: wow! So what an experience is it? You played in Adelaide. Did you, did you play any any other?
1: Was that just the one tournament? Yeah, just the one. The, the other ones were not like uh, World Series ones. Oh yeah, they were just like the, Paci- the Asia Asia Pacific. Yeah, the one off one that sort so. of thing, you know. But it yeah. was it was good experience, man. It was good experience.
0: So now you're. you're you're in the rugby union world and uh, you get an opportunity to play ITM Cup
1: in New Zealand. Yeah, so how that came up was through a, a guy from East that I knew. Oh,
0: not the old East and Suburbs connection. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. So what team in the what ITM? Was, I think
1: his name was Pack, Kerry Packer or something. Yeah. <laughs> So what team in the ITM was it? I ended up going to the Northland Tarni Fast. Oh, yeah.
0: Northland. No, they look sky, north. blue. Yeah, sky Blue. Yeah, Sky Blue.
1: Sky Blue. Yeah. But I was, you know, you know when I told you that I knew nothing about rugby, Ooh. when I got to New Zealand, then I really knew I knew right. nothing about <laughs> rugby. You know? They live and breathe it, right? Oh, man. I was lucky I went there because they just make everything so much easier to learn if you're just learning. Yeah, right. you know. And while I was there, I think I met, like, uh, one of my great mates... ...great mates that I st- I'm, still, I'm still friends with today. And his name's Oreni Ie. Ooh. He was a World Sevens player back in the day. Can move, man. Can move. Yeah. I think he might be still playing now, man. I went, I went back to New Zealand about a few months ago... ...and watched him play. He's, wow. still, he's still running around. But if, if it wasn't for that that guy and a few of the other guys that were there man i wouldn't be as educated as i was after i spent time there you know mm.
0: and it, how did you find the actual because itm cup that's like one on the super rugby right yeah yeah how did you find it like the the play and like some of those paddocks too uh, uh paddocks eh? not, yeah. not there because
1: that long grass right so how did you find like adapting to that the biggest thing—the biggest thing that I was—that made me aware that it was really good rugby was the speed, oh, yeah. the speed of the play, the speed of the ruck, Ball you news. know, how the how how they were just meticulous around the ruck. How we trained, mm. you know, one session we did like a two-hour thing on how to clean out guys, yep. you know, in certain certain places, yep. you know, yep. they've they the way they attack, why they attack that way. But everything streams down from the All Blacks all the way down to their team. So the way their teams run is how the All Blacks play, you know? So you're up at Northland. Does that mean you get
0: a pair of gumboots?
1: Eh? How good are the gumboots? Hey? <laughs> so I, I wasn't aware about the gumboots hey, until I went over there. And everyone there wears gumboots. Especially up north, are yeah. um, Whereabouts did you stay there? I stayed in Whangaree. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And there's men, there's characters there. Oh man, I know, we played a trial up there
0: for the Warriors and… (laughs) Toll Stadium. I didn't play but we went up the night before and
1: had a beer at one of the local bars and… Gee, she got loose. So Uh, was it… Yeah, you know, we would, first day I showed up there. Because these guys already played because I was, I came in late because someone got hurt. Showed up, played a game straight away. Mm. They they thought because I've played back home that I know to play. Mm. And I was just lucky that I I I faked it and had an all right game that (laughs) I didn't get sent back. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. But But we had had like Rene Ranger was in our team. Oh, I love him, man. Rene Rene was in our team. We had like uh, Tony Coppolani, a hooker. Oh, yeah. He played in France for a long, long time. Dan Faleafa, he plays for Tonga now. Wow. We had a good team, man.
0: You've been blessed, mate. There's a couple of those teams you played in. You know, good players around you. Yeah, don't ask me how feel. It's just adventures I go yeah, on. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm loving it, man. And so, was it you were playing for Northland when you got the call up for the
1: mighty Ikalitahi. Yeah, so <laughs> I faked it all right at North. At you were pretty good. At <laughs> 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 nah, but without that education that I got there in New Zealand, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to like play higher. Yep. Lucky, lucky. And I went all right playing for Tonga A, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of the kids that were there... What position did you play? I played full back, fly half, I ended up for Tonga. And then when I went to Northland, I played in the centres.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Outside, inside? Inside.
1: So you're crashing. Crash balls and that, you know? Were you crashing or yeah.
0: second 2nd standoff? Yeah. What do you call it? Second f- fly half. Second five. Second five. Second
1: five. Because yeah. uh, were you taking hit-ups in league, mate? Like yeah. I tell you... that. When when I was playing second five, there was a lot of early ball call, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. That surprise me. So you get the who gave you the
0: call and? and
1: uh it was it was Estolo. Yeah, Estolo okay. rang me. In so the... you shitting yourself, wouldn't you? Oh, when he <laughs> rang me, I was yeah. <laughs> oh, I was all right because he rang me before the sevens tournament, and oh, just, okay. we sort of. Like had a... because I wasn't going to go back after I saw all mm. of that, you know. So he he went from Tonga a coach to Kaledaha yeah, coach. Yeah, because it's a free trip; everyone just goes everywhere, you know. Yeah, right. So, but yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to go back. I wasn't going to go back. Just the way that everyone was treated, that sort of thing. Yep. I it just wasn't my cup of tea, you know. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff like like we like we said was just standover yep. style coaching, you know, which. You can't really get the best out of... Well, that's just me personally, you know. But you're right, you can't blame him. That's probably how he was taught. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then I get the call from him and we went on a tour to the UK. Yep. And, man, I knew when I saw some of the players rock in, like, they were massive, man. Yeah. They were big dudes. And these guys all played in the UK, played in France, you know. Yep. So they were were really good players, really Mm. good.
0: And just to throw in there, like you're now a dual code time representative and is there any differences in, you know, what it means to play for both? I know you're a bit older now but yeah. we talked about hindsight and stuff but, you know, to play both codes, it's pretty special, man. And, and yeah. thinking of it, I can't – I don't know too many of that have actually
1: done it. You know, when I was going through all this, I was just – I didn't have no idea what was going on in my career. <laughs> yeah. But I was finding all these, like, good little good little uh, things to go on, you know. Yeah. Amazing opportunities. These opportunities that it's just – I always try and tell this to the kids, you know, like because I'm coaching them now, is yeah. play well every game because you never know who's who's watching. 100%. You know? never know who's watching. What one coach thinks of you, someone who's watching might go, man – this kid's a good player, you know yeah. So that's just sort of how my that rugby career sort of went. I was lucky enough to play a few good games yep. which good guys were watching and I sort of like came into that sort of thing but with the dual international thing man I, it did hit me later on as I got older yeah because I wasn't I didn't know until a couple of my family they were like, you know you're a dual international yeah and I was like, what do you mean? Because you've done this and then like played for Tonga MMT and then played for Ikali. yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right, eh? That's pretty I special, never, man. I never. Who else has done it? Uh, for Tonga? Yeah. I can't. Or, I think there's one playing now, uh, Solomon Ikata. Did oh he, yes. Did he play league? Yes. Yes. Solomon yes. Ikata. Yeah. He's the only one I know that's done it as well. Uh.
0: Well. Didn't play for Tonga in league, but Izzy Folau could have been one. Yeah. Like he played for Aussies. But so, yeah, so that doesn't count. <laughs> 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 but in, ca- in terms, like, it would be nice to know if there's anyone before you that yeah. came. Otherwise, man, you could have
1: made history. Yeah, so, uh, they, oh, you know, there might have been someone. Might surely, have. Surely.
0: I think back in the early days, a lot of the guys were playing
1: both. They had to play both, yeah. Yeah, yeah I reckon but so. But I think
0: that like, it makes it even more special in today's game because both games are so specialised now. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you said, you talk about the different nuances of the game and the rules and, and you know the flow of the game even that like you talked about in rugby. Yeah. And then you've, you've done both, man.
1: It's a pretty, pretty amazing feat. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, you're right, it's just when you get older... And you look back, mm. and you think, "Did I really do oh, all that?" Oh, That's amazing, you know? man. It was cool. Because so, your first game for a guy, the debut, the remember? debut. Yeah, we we played Canada. I think we played Canada. Yep. And I came off the bench, and I could remember we were we had this fast as winger man. Yep. And all you had to do was give him the ball, and it was like a bike. You know, in Tonga, in Tongan when they go. Give him a seat, you know? <laughs> just give him the ball. You
0: know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: that's bad. And yeah. at, this, at this time, man, like I was lucky because I sort of understood the game a little bit more now. So yep. my positioning in that was was all right. Yeah, it was all right. So well, I won't say this too many times. Well, you're quite
0: intelligent. <laughs> ...so <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing you know you got you you learn where to be, where not to be. Yeah, in the flow of the game. Yeah. Um. You, so you played that tournament in the UK. Yep. You have a pretty good run, mm-hmm. and unlucky not to go to the World Cup
1: in New Zealand. Oh man, you know after after playing like for Tonga, I knew like the World Cup is the, the pinnacle of the game. Oh yeah, pinnacle. And uh, I remember our second game we played. Uh, I think it was the England Saxons team. Yep. It was it like England A? Yep. And I started the game at fullback. And let's say I didn't play too well. Oh, <laughs> really? What went wrong? <laughs> oh, it was, well, this was the coaching, the coaching. like, And, uh, yeah, we ended up going down. But a lot of the blame was put on me for being too relaxed, which I didn't understand. Mm. You know, but that's how the coaching was back then, you know. They need someone to blame. Always need a scapegoat, mate. Yeah, so. After that, then I said, man, I was done. I was done playing for him. Because yeah. it was the same coach. Yeah, you know, and I've, I had that experience before with him. Yeah, which I didn't like, and then after that, that just put sort you of, off. Yeah, put me off.
0: Fair enough, mate. We play to enjoy the game, and if you're not enjoying it,
1: yeah, and you know, like one of my goals was to was to go to that World Cup in New Zealand, and I see all the videos and that of how yep. that the boys were treated there. Yep, and man, it would have been good, but just at the time, I thought it wasn't. So the that's the right environment for me.
0: That's the same World Cup from the movie, eh? That red, white, and Bright?
1: Yeah, that's the same World Cup.
0: I believe, I think I was over there then. What year was that? Uh, 2011, I think. Yeah, oh, that's right. Something like that. Yeah, I was there then. It was, um, yeah. New Zealand was popping. It was. It was. Yeah, it was going off. Um, unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we move on and yeah. again, you get another. Um, for a Russian friend apparently down in Double Bay got you, a <laughs> got you
1: an opportunity in Russia Oh man this is one of the f- things that Never in your wildest dreams you'd think you'd, something like that would happen But again I, I tell you Phil It's just you got to play well like, Because you know, never know who's watching Never you know? know who's watching Never know who's watching But it's funny how it sort of worked out So after the World Cup happened The backs coach at the time um, for, for Tonga after that, after the World Cup, he, he ended up going over there, yep. and doing a little bit of coaching, and then he ended up getting the top the top gig there. And uh, he gave me a ring, seen seen what I was doing, and I wasn't I was only playing like rugby here, not too much, yep. you know? And uh, he goes, "Do you, would you would you feel like coming over to Russia? with that interest you?" And, you know, like, we don't really know too much about Russia, but it's dangerous apparently <laughs> because all the stuff we see on the news uh-huh. is all negative stuff, Yeah, you know? 100%. So when he was explaining it to me, I was a bit reluctant at the time just because yep. of all the stuff that we see. Yeah. But he sort of, it sort of warmed up to me like how he was talking about it. He was saying, like, it's uh, pretty professional how they run things here, you know? And because like that experience I've had with him before... I was in the sort of, yeah, nah, sort of uh, mentality. Yep. And then uh, I I just took a leap of faith and just said, yeah, I'll end up going, you know. Yep. Talk to the oldies. So whereabouts in Russia? Man, I stayed like in the... In the sticks, like Siberia, on the border of Russia wow. and Siberia, you know, in the movies when they send all the bad Russian soldiers to Siberia, <laughs> yeah. that's where I was. <laughs> Krasnaya the place was. Oh, Krasnaya Krasnyask, yeah,
0: Krasny, Krasny.
1: yeah, and man, it's, it's get got down to minus thirty five one time when I was there. Oh, maybe a few times. Wow, but, man, what do you
0: was, do in situations like? You just stay inside. You just stay inside.
1: <laughs> you just stay
0: inside. <laughs> wow. Stay inside. Man.
1: And that, so, what age were you when you went over here? Like, um, I think I was maybe twenty-five. Yeah. 24, 25, around that that wow. that age. That's so crazy, man. And how long did you stay there? I stayed there for about three and a half years. Wow. Something like that. And how was the actual rugby? It was. Uh, it was a great experience, man. Like the te- our teammates, and that. Yep. All Russians. Yeah. We had one translator, like uh, a guy that used to play for uh, an English club. He did his university and stuff over in uh, in the UK. Yep, he was the translator at the time, and uh, you see, so you sort of had to learn how to speak Russian, yeah, just to get by. Because in our little city, because it was uh, on the border of Siberia and uh, nowhere, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> you have to you have to learn because. There's a, there are a lot of tough people there because of the way they're brought up in that weather, you know? Mm, I wouldn't imagine them being too friendly, too. Nah, so when I, when I first went there, everyone was standoffish, you know? Yeah. Would not say a word to me. And I understood it was the communist side, you know, where they didn't really trust anyone. Yeah. You know? Anyone knew anyway. Yeah. So uh, when they when they saw that I was, like... Taking Russian classes and that sort of thing, trying to learn their language, learn their culture, sort of thing. Yep. Then they started to open up slowly, yep. you know. And because I was playing some good footy over there too, so so a big thing about the Europeans, especially the clubs over there. If you're a foreigner and you come over, man, well I saw it a few times. If you're a foreigner, come over, not don't play too well, you're out of there the next week. Yeah, wow. So there's a lot of pressure on the foreigners that come over, and I was sort of lucky that. I went through that New Zealand education, played a bit of top rugby mm. that I could sort of transition it into how the Russian style was played because they, they were they were a bit one-dimensional with heavy just heavy artillery down yeah. the middle, you know? Yep. And that's all they knew. So at the time there wasn't many like outsiders in other teams, so yeah, it was good, it was good, it was good. Yeah, so how is the Russian, the language? Did lost, you bring
0: anything back or you lost it?
1: Uh, uh, you, you, you have to learn because like, when you go to the shopping centre, Yep. Obviously, you know how to, you got to learn how to say, like, count numbers, that sort of thing. Footy, you learn how to say, like, left, right, up, back, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. But, uh, man, the more you speak it, like anything, you know, the more you speak it, the more you're going to get better at it. But the Russian's still pretty good.
0: Yeah. Здравствуйте. Hello.
1: Hey. How are you? Yeah, top. Меня Eddie. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, well, very nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it was good. I, I can't come back to you. I got yeah, nothing. Yeah, I know. I got yeah. nothing.
1: Um,
0: dobre, 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 ultra. That's good morning. <laughs> see, see, don't worry about me. Krasny, <laughs> let's check. <laughs> let's check. Krasny, I know, I know, I
1: know. Don't worry, but man, that experience in Russia, man, it was it was good. So. So, three and a half years too, that's a fair stint, eh? Yeah, and I would have still been there, but my young fella had to go to start going to school. So, I was only 28 at the time when I come back and retired. So, retirement, 28 years old. Yeah. That's pretty young. Yeah. What made you step into that? Like I said, like my son was ready to go to school, start kindergarten, and I wanted to be around for that period of his life, you know? Because I remember. When I was in Russia last, we started winning stuff. And they'd never won stuff before. Yep. And uh, they wanted to re-sign me on like five or six years or something. Oh, wow. So, and sort of transition into the coaching side. Yep. Because at that time then I really understood the game, watched a lot of the games, yep. that sort of thing. And um, I knew, I had a conversation with my parents and my old man said, uh, he said something to me that really, got to me at the time he said sometimes you have to stop doing things we want and do things that we have to you know
0: yeah.
1: and that sort of stuck with me because yeah like I said I wanted to be around for him growing up and put all of my time and energy into how he becomes a man sort of thing so that was uh, my decision to step away from the professional stuff and just come home and start coaching which is what I do now.
0: And uh, (coughs) a lot of us struggle through that transition. From you know, I think a lot of it revolves around identity. You know, as a footy player. Yep. Um, how did you find it, and did you struggle? Or
1: did you, was it smooth for you? How was it? It was definitely a struggle, like at times. And I understand some of the guys, like uh, especially the ones that play first grade for like a long, long time, because there's nothing else that they do. Mm. And I was sort of lucky that while I was playing, I did like uh, other stuff as well. Yep, I, I, did, like. I did an apprenticeship. Yep. So I did all of that, finished all of that. Yep. And it's something that I came back and was doing as well, you okay. know. And, yeah, and without that I think I would have struggled even more. But it is still a struggle at the start because once, every time I went overseas and came back, i have to restart everything again. Yeah. So that was probably the hardest bit, you know, re- restarting life again. Yeah, like a push and reset all the time. Yeah, like. had to reset all the time.
0: Do you think that journey has helped shape? You know, like it's how can I put this? I guess um, what I'm saying is it feels like hearing the story. It sounds like you had to build a lot of resilience. Yeah. Around yeah. you know uncertainty in the future. So you, you've but you're lucky with opportunities that you said. Yeah. But then you come back and then it's all said and done. Do you think? that experience helped you in the next chapter of your life
1: oh for sure man and that's this is why that this is what i try and push with the kids you know especially in the pathways where i coach yep because like we both know not every single person's going to make it Mm. you know but there's other ways where you can sort of make it a career for you you know Yep. like playing overseas that sort of stuff so i always try and Especially with the way that my journey sort of ended up, yep. that there's opportunities there, you know, and you have to be resilient because mm. you, you're not always going to hear the stuff that you want to hear. Sometimes you got to push through all some of the not so good stuff to get to the good stuff. Yeah, and some of these kids now, man, it might the, the not so good stuff might be like a little bit to go, and then yeah. the good stuff's there, but they give up just at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, just before then. Yep. So. Getting older and going through what I went through and, like you said, resilience in everything that happened, you do learn a lot. And I'm appreciative of where I am now, you know. And I'm, I'm happy that people get to hear that on this podcast. That's what I was just going to say
0: too. I think, you know, we've got contrasting careers footy-wise, you know. I was, yep. um, I was pretty lucky to play the NRL that I did. <clears throat> like I said, you had a journey that took you around the world. And when I look back at my career, I always... Most of my memorable times were when I was abroad in the UK, in France, um, New Zealand, Tonga, wherever it is. And, like, you were lucky, like, to do that. So, some might look at your career and say, like, oh, he was a journeyman, he went here and there. But, like, I know for me, like, any chance I could get away was my favourite times. Yeah. You know? So, and then to be, like I said earlier, like a dual international man, like, that's unbelievable. That's really special and I think um, you know for for those out there that are Tongan, aspiring to be MMT player or a Galitahi, man, to say you've done both, yeah. man, like, yeah. that's pretty special.
1: I always keep that like I don't really tell every anyone. No. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's surprising that you've never. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> the only thing you haven't said about yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
0: yeah, man, like yeah. like I think you can see how special it means to me. Like I know. Um, I know. Like, I would have loved the chance to play for Galatagi, you know, even though I didn't play rugby. But I think the opportunity, um, any chance to represent Tonga, buddy, man, you do it in two codes, that's um, pretty special, man. And, like, most guys that do it, like, they're probably at the top, you know, of their position or top of their game, you know. Like, you worked hard for it, you know. Yeah. my hat goes off to you, man. Thanks,
1: thanks, Phil. That's probably the best thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> and I'm glad we recorded it too. So. <laughs> oh no, we didn't record. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, awesome, man. Yeah. But but, um, it,
0: but you did. You, you brought up coaching. Yeah. Um, that's sort of where you, your your journey's taking you now. Your path. Um, what is it about
1: the coaching that you love? Um, well, when I retired, two years, I had nothing to do with the game. You know. Of, I played every now and then, yep. but it was just an itch I had to scratch, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I was only still young, you know. I'd, you'd watch a few games, oh, man, I could still mix it with those blokes. Yeah, you know? yeah Just yeah. local, local stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. Then you'd play one game and you think, why did I play that game? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there was yeah. a lot of that to and fro and, and until I started coaching, yeah. you know, that's when the itch – ...sort of could be scratched at that time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still involved in the game. Yeah. And then I could spread my knowledge with the kids. So yeah. the role that I have now I sort of fell into... ...because I was just helping out the local A-grade team... ...you know, at Mascot. Yeah. And um, a mate of mine, he was coaching one of the younger... Uh, ...I think it was the Haramathies team. Yeah. Down at South. And he was like, oh, I see you're coaching. Why don't you come down and give us a hand? You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. Because it it does take up a bit of time and I was working at the time too, Mm. so. And knowing you, you're always prepared. Yeah. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So it does take up your time. It does, it does. And um, after the first year, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, you know. Mm. Just seeing the kids, how they develop and just spreading, spreading some of the knowledge that I had, you know. Well, look, when you have a
0: journey like yours... And you'd learn. You would have learnt. Yeah. You know, um, so much from different walks of life, different aspects of life, and I think your journey too allows you to share a bit of knowledge off the field, right? Yeah. Like you talk about the resilience, and uh, sometimes lack of in in this generation. But yeah. Um, coaching is fulfilling that void that you know that you're playing, giving you that sense of fulfilment.
1: Yes, that's exactly what it's done, and. Some these kids, man. I think they're helping me more than I'm helping them most of the time, you know. Mm. Because without it, I'd be going mad, yeah.
0: you know. So you're driving me mad. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
1: you would also got the kicking academy. So yeah,
0: one of the strengths of your game was obviously your kicking game, and now you've you've created your own academy, the kicking academy. Done a, you're doing gigs here and there every, as where, everywhere you can. every weekend. You got a offsideer that um, pretty handy as well, sometimes. <laughs> but um. How do, you, how do you find that? And how have you found the the kicking game in league or union? Like um, how have you found it sort of not change? Because has it changed
1: much over the years? How, how do you see it? Yeah, well, the reason why I started it was just to provide education around it, you yep. know? Because when I started coaching first, you know, like at the end of – a session, they'll tell you to just go do a couple of kicks for five minutes yep. and then that's meant to do you for the rest of their week, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, this is some of the most important, especially at that age, yeah. 15, 16, 17, yeah. these are the most important stages where kids can develop, you know? Yeah. And if there's not that education on it, yeah. then you're just setting them up for disaster, Yeah, you know? And I was thinking about it, talking to people about it, and they were like, that's a great idea, you know, you should, you should start doing it. And I started to do a bit of it at South, slowly, yep. you know, slowly bring it in. And we started to get a bit better at it, you know, and it was showing in the games. Yep. And then as it, as it came about, a guy that I was with, he was like, you should go and teach other kids, yep. you know, like club teams, just to, so they know what they're doing, mm. how to do it, the reasons why they do it. And I was more than happy to go down there. And he was like, "Man, this is because there's no, there's nothing around like that. No, specialised skill, you know. Yep. And I was getting heaps of people asking me, yep. "Can you do this? Can you do that? Which I was given time for, and a lot of the, a lot of the feedback I was getting from it was, "Man, you should do camps, yep. like sort of camps on the holidays, just the clinics, clinics, stuff like that. you know. Yep. And that's what I'm slowly trying to build, you know. Well, mate, I've been a witness
0: to one of your days, and mate, I think you're doing wonderful things. Um, like you said it's a specialized skill and from from my takeaways I always tell every kid out there like if you if you, the difference between you and another player and you're able to kick yeah. whether it be kick goals kick for touch kick whatever that just gives you another string on the yeah. bow right
1: and especially our positions when we played league those that was the way we made the team like the Tongan team yeah. really because there was a lot of good runners yeah you know a lot of good guys that could sort a of ball play a bit. Because we could kick really well, mm. that was one of our strengths. And that's
0: what you said earlier about
1: understanding why. I think
0: that's really important. Yeah. You know, knowing when and why and how. and Mate, anyone out there, yeah. they want to <laughs> strengthen that game, the Kicking, kicking Academy, Academy, baby. Kicking mate.
1: Get it up there.
0: That's it. So, thank you for sharing, Eddie. That's quite a journey you've had. Thanks for had. having me, man. It's quite a journey you've had. Um Obviously, there's some highs, some lows and, you know, we appreciate you sharing. Um, from me, it's it's special to, you know, know someone for a very long time and, and to get to know more about you. Um, it's always special and I think for everyone listening, it's uh, it's even more special that you're sharing and able to share um, and give back, yep. like we've mentioned and um, there's many more to come from one
1: Edmund Bayer. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, man. And it's I'm glad that we started this thing just so people can hear our story, and hopefully some of these kids can come to us for a bit of help, you know, because like we said when we started it, there's about 52 percent of the the NRLs or Polynesian kids, and not all of them are going to go on the same journey. Yep. So if there's other pathways that they can take, I hope that we can sort of help them reach out to us and. Hopefully we can get you something else.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you again, brother. We'll um, catch you on the next episode, baby. Polly podcast. (laughs) Stay tuned. Thanks, Phil. Thank you for listening to the Polly podcast. Join us next week for another episode. Follow
1: our socials to stay up to date on everything behind the scenes. You must be like a professional.